Uh, Bill Ryder covers the NBA for CBS Sports, also a host on our sister network, uh, CBS Sports Radio. Writer than you, weekdays 10 to noon Eastern on CBS Sports Radio. And you wrote a couple things over the last, really, two days that really we agreed with. So we were like, we've got to have Bill on because this is exactly how we feel about it. Let's start with Kevin Durant and his debut last night, Bill, uh, with the Suns. I, I saw instant chemistry and I saw a team that can fit Kevin Durant right in because it's Kevin Durant and they're a real real threat in the West yeah hey guys great to be on I'm 100% with you and I'm normally very reluctant to buy into the hype that major additions right superstars going somewhere are going to automatically click at any point or early in that process let alone in February March this deep right three quarters of the way into a season but I saw the same thing that you saw and certainly the same thing that at least three GMs that I texted saw who didn't love it since they're not, they were not the uh, Phoenix Suns GMs. You're right, instant chemistry. He looked like he had absolutely zero rust, which made sense. I had heard they were going to wait to bring him back until he was physically able just in terms of the injury. And everything that we thought Kevin Durant would do, make life easier for Jim Booker, make it not matter if Chris Paul has an off night, and and CP3 certainly did, at least from a shooting perspective. Make DeAndre Ayton a guy that can just do the dirty stuff and not have to be even the third most important player on the floor. And just be Kevin Durant, if he can fit in, it all went perfectly according to plan if you're the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you know, Bill, I was thinking about Ayton because – Obviously, there was a lot of drama in the offseason about whether they wanted to pay him, and then they kind of felt like they were forced into it because of the way that you know, the Indiana Pacers offer sheet works, right? And couldn't, couldn't do a sign-in trade at that point. But I, I think, actually, the biggest beneficiary might be Aiton. Uh, how basketball-wise do you think KD helps DeAndre Aiton and, and increases or accentuates his value to the team? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's significant. I think you hit on something really important, and maybe – Maybe the only thing that can stop the Suns, certainly in the Western Conference, and that is some of the chemistry issues or, or problematic potential chemistry issues that are percolating beneath the surface. And one of them is certainly that DeAndre Ayton, you're right, didn't want to be in Phoenix. He wanted to have a bigger role somewhere else. He now has a lesser role just by the nature of Kevin Durant coming in. But what I saw is what you're, what you're asking about what you're talking about, which is DeAndre Ayton is going to get some of the easiest buckets of his basketball life, of his basketball career. Buckets are going to be easy for Devin Booker. They're going to be easier for Chris Paul when he decides to shoot. He can figure out how to shoot again. But you saw DeAndre Ayton get, I don't even remember what he had, 16, 18, easy points, a ton of rebounds, great energy. I think he understands. And I don't, I don't know DeAndre at all, but people that know him tell me he is a guy that if he's in a good situation, he's happy to just do the dirty work play defense, rebound, wait for his turn to win. And I think every member of that Suns team, up and down, they understand, and you saw with the chemistry that we were talking about, Kevin Durant's there. They're all going to have chances to win a championship and be better. And I thought Aiton looked so seamless and so comfortable, not for the first time this year, but in a way that is not necessarily the norm for him on that team. Bill, is the lack of depth sometimes a concern for you when it comes with Phoenix? We were debating that. We think they should be okay, but do you think that could hurt them maybe deep in the postseason? I don't think in the postseason. I, I think I think it could. So let's say that they were in the position the Lakers are in or any of the teams right now that, that have championship hopes or aspirations but are on the wrong side of the play-in or at least going to probably be in the play-in. Then it would. But Phoenix is probably going to be, what, they're probably locked in at three or four, right? They're probably not going to rise up to one or two unless there's a collapse above them for Memphis or Denver. And that means we sort of, I think, look through the prism of what they're going to be in the playoffs. 
And in the postseason, for the most part, rotations are going to shorten. You're going to cut off you guys maybe minutes that they get in the regular season. They're not going to get. You're going to have more of a chess match because you're playing the same team at least four times, maybe seven times per series. So I actually think the advantage, at least my view of this in the playoffs, is talent three, right, top two or three guys, and then depth to maybe six, seven, really significant. I think we've seen that from the Warriors over the years. And the Suns are the best four-man group in the NBA. They're the best three-man, I think, group in the NBA. Well, I don't buy this. There are certainly people who who do this for a living, who who actually run teams, who think they might have the best two-man group in the NBA, depending on how you you assess Devin Booker. So I actually think their postseason opportunity, just how this fits, is going to be really beneficial for them. Talking to Bill Ryder, CBS Sports Radio, CBSSports.com, BetMGM tonight. Uh, As you pointed out, at CBSSports.com. The Atlanta Hawks have a Trey Young problem, and Quinn Snyder is there to fix it one way or the other. This is now two coaches that essentially have not gotten along with Trey Young. Quinn Snyder really did a, a pretty good job considering what he had to deal with with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and their personalities and their uh, friction in Utah. Is that what we can expect really his main focus to be getting in there really before the season even ended? It's just to work with Trey Young and try to fix what sounds like a really fractured locker room. It really is. And I, I laugh when you guys uh, brought me on and said that you agree with what I wrote because that means you don't work for the Atlanta Hawks because they did not <laughs> love that story. Uh, I would argue in large part because it, it's very true. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Like, I, I've known Quinn for a long time, all the way back to when he was at my mater, the University of Missouri in college. And I don't know him like we're buddies, but I've just I've followed and covered his career. I think, and people in the NBA more important, think very highly of him on a lot of levels. And one of the things you'll hear is his ability – to really connect with players, and, and not in, a, in an authentic way, in a real way. So I think that's goal number one. There is a fractured locker room. Trey Young does not get along with many of the people in that locker room. There is frustration toward Trey Young, and you've seen the re- excellent reporting that's come out of the Athletic and the local newspaper, the Atlanta Constitution, about Trey getting on a plane and, and not flying over this team after a playoff game with the Heat, which is utterly unacceptable, to say the least, in the NBA, among other things other places have reported. So this isn't a secret. What I think is interesting is sort of what's new in the column that I wrote is that Quinn Snyder is going to try to reach him, right? Reach Trey Young, connect with Trey Young, get Trey Young to maybe just think that defense exists as a concept and engage in a better way at the locker room. But it's also been suggested to me by people in the know that Quinn Snyder wants a loud voice in that organization, that part of the reason he's not in Utah, he really liked Andy Ainge, who took over basketball ops, but Quinn Snyder wants to have one of the loudest voices there. And there's some political – it's an interesting political scenario – in Atlanta, where Quinn Snyder can do that. I think it's part of the reason he showed up early with the, the wrestler family who owns the team. And I think Quinn expects to be able to be one of the prominent voices in the front office, even though he's the head coach. And I think there's certainly a scenario where he has now, it's less than this now, but when he started 21 games to look at Trey Young, to evaluate Trey Young, to try to reach Trey Young, try to fix the culture. And if he can't, use that voice that he wants to potentially, right, potentially push for, for a reality where you move on from the guy if you don't think it's going to work. Bill, uh, the thing that I don't understand, and that was why reading your article was so refreshing, because I feel like I've been, as an NBA fan, but also a media member, being gaslit around what's going on with Atlanta. This is weird. This organizational structure, you mentioned Game of Thrones. That's when I said, yes, this guy and I are going to be friends. <laughs> because the the Nick Ressler, Landry Fields, Kyle Korver, so many random voices in the room. A former Golden State Warriors beat reporter in the mix as an assistant GM. Like, 
Can you put this into context about, because nepotism is normal sure. in any yeah. structure, especially in the NBA, but this feels very abnormal. And do you think that this is like a fixable culture? Because it's kind of just starting this way where it feels toxic. It's very bizarre. Uh, there are certainly people, and you can guess what city they emanate from. It has great sweet tea, and it's wonderful, and it's warm a lot of the time. Who would argue it's going to work out? People in Atlanta would argue that. But so here's a, yeah, here's a Cliff Notes version. Tony Wrestler owns the team. He's a billionaire. Uh, his son, Nick Wrestler, is a 20-year-old who isn't just involved. He is involved in front office operations. He is, I understand it, and really reporting from other, other outlets have really laid this out in a very impressive way, is around and making decisions. And not that long ago, they gave Travis Schlank, who's technically still, I believe, their, their president of basketball operations, a big extension. Sources tell me he paid him a bunch of money, gave him a raise, guaranteed that money. And then, what, a year later, they shoved him aside because his deputy, Landry Fields, not accusing Landry of anything, but Landry got along better with the 27-year-old son of the owner, right? The owner's kid walking around the building, wanting certain things, wanting different things. All of a sudden, Travis Schlank, who came from the Warriors, credit with scouting, for example, Draymond Green, very well respected in the league. Mm. I don't know what he's doing, but he's on an island or his house, or maybe he moved, but he's collecting the paycheck, not doing anything right now, as I understand it. Landry Field is elevated to GM, that's, and that's a former player who's well-regarded, but hasn't been doing this for a long time. Kyle Korver, who gets along really well with young Nick Wrestler, just got promoted to assistant GM. You know that there's a bunch of characters in the mix, and as I understand it, the Wrestler family, and it's their, it's their, it's their team, Tony Wrestler, the dad, is desperate to win and not patient in his ambition. I get that as a fan, if you were a fan of that team, you'd love it. His son, Nick Wrestler, thinks he knows I don't know about best, but certainly isn't has a view that's important. I can't speak to whether Nick Wrestler is really great at running a front office or he's some rich guy's kid who shouldn't be there. Time will tell. But it certainly led to some massive changes, and as I understand it, and it's in the column, Quinn Snyder went early to this job, sort of parachuted in a few days ago, in part because he understands the political dynamic. And what you want to do is if you're going to be a member of the Atlanta Hawks, let alone the head coach, you want to get in, woo the Wrestler family, get to know 27-year-old Nick Wrestler, and make sure – he's listening to you because I think the political situation there is very much in flux. Is Quinn Snyder kind of like a little finger character in this <laughs> in this scenario? I mean, look, I, this gets me in trouble, but whatever, I write this <laughs> stuff. Like, I, I just tell the truth, or I try to, right? We all get stuff wrong. Um, and people get really, really angry with me, and I can tell you stories for hours about, about LeBron James hating me back in the day. But as, as I, here's my view of Quinn. I think he's a really good coach. I like him personally. He's incredibly charming. I think it's a great hire, but I do think that there's a, per, a part of Quinn Snyder's Denimer charm, approach, ambition that some people would call a two faces wrong. But he's an ambitious, charming guy, right? Like it's like when you go to a, Manipulative. a car dealership. Yeah, like oh, I don't want to buy this car now. I'm driving a Prius, and I got to explain it to my wife. He's that guy, not in a bad way. It's his job, and I actually think highly of the guy. But yes, I, I little, I mean that is a. I would say it in a nicer way. But if we're going, you know, Game of Thrones here. He might be a little bit, you know, maybe he won't get slaughtered up in the north, right, when he finally, like, his, ruck, his luck runs out. But if it's succession, he's definitely one of those kids, and you're rooting for him, but you got to be careful with him a little bit, too. How much do you think the Hawks regret getting rid of Herder and bringing in DeJounte Murray? Do you think that has really hurt them this season and hurt Trey Young, or do you think that's just kind of a separate issue? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's... I, it had not worked out clearly, and, I, and to be fair, I thought it was an amazing move. So what do I know, right? Like it's, it, this stuff is hard, and it hasn't helped. I, but I do think the issues with Trey Young run deeper 
they, I know they run deeper. And I think that bringing in Murray, they, I know that they hoped that that would be a wake-up call for Trey, a motivation for Trey, you know, disguised as or, or maybe, you know, equal parts, here's some help. And it obviously hasn't gone that direction. So, yes, I think there's been some bad decision-making that went on in the front office when, when Travis Schlenk was still in charge. Probably part of the reason he's not there, right? Probably part of the reason despite his contract situation. I also think Trey Young's a problem. And just talking to folks in that organization outside of it, it is understood that, that he has not been a leader, that there have been problems. People change, people grow. Can't judge a person based on one season or a couple seasons. But all is not well in Atlanta, and, and Trey Young is, is a part of the reason. All right, got about 90 seconds or so here. What, what are the expectations for this team the rest of this year? Is it more about just kind of riding the ship, or is it, hey, get to the playoffs and actually win some games? Yeah, I think it's bonus time if they can make the playoffs, make the play, and make a run. They certainly did that a few years ago when they had that crazy run to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think the main goal is for Quinn Snyder to be able to assess his basketball team that he's going to be at for four years after this, to assess Trey Young, to try and fix some of the cultural problems, to, to navigate the politics that we discussed, and to really hit the ground running next year. Quinn Snyder's in it for the long run. They would love to be able to make it work over the course of the next six weeks. But I think really this season for Quinn Snyder and therefore the team is about the long term. Bill Ryder, CBSSports.com, so CBS Sports Radio. Great stuff, man. I'm really glad we could have you on because we, we have spent many segments talking about Trey Young and the Hawks and how Trey Young, watching him shoot threes is just it's, it's it's awful this year. He can't shoot, and he's supposed to be a three-point Maybe shooter. one of the worst interviews I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, so many out. things. Uh, but it's just, it's, it was good to, good to read that and really good to talk to you on this. We're getting a little more insight. Thanks a lot, man. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you.